When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Forward Progress on this Monday, October 2nd, post week four. We got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was. Look forward to this week's lines and early market moves, as well as impactful injuries we're keeping our eyes on. If you're not already, you should really subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any content. And of course, this is all brought to you without... Our sponsor, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Everyday competitive odds. Your trusted sports book. Bet smart. Bet Pinnacle. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. With that being said, I'm your host, George Sofidis, and I'm excited to get this show on the road. Today, we're not joined by Suma, but I've got Cleve TA plus EV better, cleveanalytics.com. The man who was right about the frisky Arizona Cardinals, Cleve. Thanks so much for doing this. What's going on, George? Uh, Super Bowl Cardinals. Can okay, you read my? Uh, my <laughs> you know what? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the market. They pulled it off yesterday. They almost pulled it off. If it felt like a cover, even though it wasn't a cover, and the markets uh, really, really do love the Cardinals this morning. We'll talk about that and more. But uh, let's start off with the Sunday night football game, Cleve. Um, uh, the game was closer than than uh, than some thought it would be. Zach Wilson played played pretty well, and despite two interceptions by Mah- by Mahomes, he was still able to get the job done. Cleve, what are your immediate takeaways from that game? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Zach Wilson played better than anybody can can you know was expecting, and and they needed that. Look, they they just need not terrible quarterback play, and with that defense. Uh, they should be able to, to compete in these games, you know, but the defense had kind of let them down uh, in the prior few games, actually at Dallas, I thought they had a shot to cover and win that game going in and they just got, you know, annihilated. So I didn't, I had thought that maybe the defense was kind of deflated with the Aaron Rodgers injury. And they just, you know, the fact that the offense kept, you know, either going three and out or, or turning the ball over. They, they just weren't playing up to their capability. And then they go down 10 nothing early. And I thought it was going to be a blowout. I had no money on either side, by the way. So uh, there's no exposure there. But, uh, you know, Kansas City, you know, let them back in. And that's what they do. The thing about the Chiefs, as great as they are, uh, they're typically overvalued in these types of games. Anytime that they're over, they're favored by over a, a touchdown, it's just, it's really hard for them to, um, to kind of squash these teams. And so they let a lot of these teams back in it and they did that last night. And then obviously, uh, you know, up three in that last play, just, you know, an incredible drive by Mahomes, no matter what you think, if it was a holding or not a holding, you know, by, by all accounts, it didn't seem like, you know, if you, if you talk to some of the people in the league that they thought that was a holding on that, uh, that long third down scramble, but that's what he does. He just, he's able to, to get out of sacks and make plays and, you know, extend drives. And he did that and, you know, they won the game. So, you know, I think there's some hope with, with the Jets that if, if Zach Wilson can at least be competent and uh, with that defense, they, they're you know they could stay in it. But 
you know, um, they're going to, they're going to have to, uh, to win some of these uh, games in, in the near term where, uh, they are, um, either a favorite or, you know, it's a coin flip and we got one of those this week. Allow me to put my tinfoil hat on for a second here. I, I don't believe, um, the refs outright try to make the chiefs win, but I do believe in all sports, superstars get superstar treatment. It happened in basketball with Michael Jordan. It happens in hockey. Uh, I thought it happened a lot for Tom Brady and, you know, Mahomes is the face of the league and probably is going to get the right side of the whistle more times than not add in the Taylor Swift mania. And my God, the conspiracy theorists were out and about last night. Uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on that game, but I do want to talk about some takeaways. Both of our teams, Miami and Cleveland, were playing in first place games against Buffalo and Baltimore uh, and neither game was very close. Cleveland at least had the caveat that their uh, starting quarterback was out uh, with some late, like late information that he was going to be out. And the markets were moving all over the place the previous 24 hours. Um, my my question to you with the um, that game is, uh, how good is Baltimore? Because they they've 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 been a little bit fortunate in that they've played. Uh, a Joe Burrow that was diminished in two backup quarterbacks. Like, where do you put Baltimore in the grand scheme of things? So heading into this year, I was very high on them. I had them winning the AFC North. I had them in the top three uh, behind Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC. You know, obviously the start of the season, everything was derailed with all these injuries. So that was a clear, you know, that's been a clear issue, but it feels like it's like Groundhog Day with them and, and their injuries. So, they're able to overcome it. They got great coaching. They obviously have great special teams with Justin Tucker and Lamar Jackson makes plays. And so as long as you have Lamar Jackson healthy back there, he's always going to make your offensive line look better. And it's going to make your, you know, your offense, you know, create plays that are, you know, essentially out of nothing. And so, and defensively, you know, Mike McDonald is a great defensive coordinator. He's, he's going to get a head coaching job here probably in the next couple of years. And he's doing a great job with that, that defense. It doesn't have much outside of, you know, Kyle Hamilton, really, <laughs> in the secondary. You know, Marlon Humphrey will be back soon. And, you know, they had no no structures really available yesterday. They signed Kyle Van Noy off the street. And so they're putting these things together. So when they get healthy, and hopefully for them, that's going to be in the next, you know, two to three weeks, and they get, you know, the, the Steelers, who are obviously banging up themselves and coming off a bad loss, you know, they can really separate themselves from the North because really the Browns are the only contenders at this point. And who knows what happens with Watson and they've got a buy here uh, with the Niners coming up. And so that's going to be a tough game. So, you know, Baltimore, if they can win the next couple, they'll have a pretty insurmountable lead uh, in the division. But I think they're a top half of the you know kind of AFC contenders. I think they're right behind Kansas City, uh, Buffalo and Miami. I, I think that, you know, this is a team that's going to obviously progress offensively. They still have um, some room uh, in the passing game, but, you know, the receivers haven't been healthy. So, no. Uh, yeah, it's, I know it's a, it's a cop out that it's you know if they're healthy they're, they're good, but that's really they they always have a high floor with Lamar and that coaching staff, and you know that if everybody comes back, then you know they can certainly make a run here. Cleveland kind of you know usually you don't want an early buy at least not week uh, five of the season, but it almost came at the right time for Cleveland. You have the Watson shoulder thing lingering. Miles Garrett got banged up in the game, and uh, the center Ethan Pochich got hurt. So it's it's kind of like. Good time for Cleveland's bye. Uh, let's talk Miami-Buffalo, and let's start off with Buffalo. Uh, are they the best team in football again? Uh, like, have they surpassed the Chiefs to you? 
No, uh, I would still have the Chiefs uh, slightly ahead, but they're you know they're really good. I, I was Buffalo was uh, probably my favorite play of the weekend um, at the two and a half. I had them personally. I had them in the contest, you know, in the uh, circa millions contest, and so you know, yeah, it's like every time I I thought about this game, I thought that the I actually uh, my numbers had this more like a three and a half, and so we talked about this I think uh, last Monday. I thought this line to be under three was pretty. Was was stark. I, I just I, I just couldn't buy it, and it's not because I didn't think Miami was any good. I just think that you're talking about a, a Buffalo team that hasn't really done anything to disprove that they're one of the better teams in the league, and that you know what happened in the opener against the Jets. You know Josh Allen always struggles against the Jets, so I didn't really care about that game. You know Miami had come off that huge win against Denver, but you know the prior two weeks they usually could have lost both of those games, and so it, it was just a matter of you match these two teams up and you get Buffalo the home field. And the fact that Miami had the worst success rate in the NFL on defense going into the game, you know, that, that was the clear one weakness between all the units is their defense. And they didn't have Jalen Phillips. And so, you know, we saw what happened. Josh Allen just completely dissected that team. Stephon Diggs was awesome. I, I, it was, it was pretty comical. Just uh, they were trading touchdowns uh, early on. And I, I, I joked on Twitter that first the punt loses and, it was almost uh, almost that case, uh, and they ended up trading a few punts. But Buffalo was clearly the better team, and I think they're they're a notch above Miami in general. But I, I still have, you know, when you've got Mahomes back there, you can't. It's and that defense, it, it's hard to have Buffalo ahead of them right now. But it's pretty close. There was uh, there was like one incompletion in the first quarter between the two teams. It was unreal, and then uh, Miami stopped scoring, and Buffalo didn't. Um, you, you know, it's funny. The markets, do you think they were very high on the Dolphins or not high enough on the Bills? Because how often do we get the Bills under a field goal at home yeah. other than against the Chiefs? Like, the markets didn't want to push this thing to three. Do you think that was Miami love or do you think it was Buffalo resistance? No, it's definitely Miami love. I think they just this offense is so high-powered and, you know, they can score on anybody. And the fact that last year they beat Buffalo at home and then they, they lost – um, a close one in, in, in the cold weather um, yeah. and over Christmas. And then even in the playoffs with Skylar Thompson, they kept that game interesting. And so I think just people thought like, everyone's you know healthy on offense for Miami and they're just, they're firing all cylinders. And, you know, the, the Poyer injury, I think, you know, spooked a few people uh, too in that secondary for, for Buffalo. And it's like the, when you've got an unstoppable offense, people will always gravitate towards the great offense um, versus kind of the more well-rounded team. And, and I think that's what, you know, Miami was taking money on. It's just that, that they were just going to overpower uh, Buffalo and just outscore them. And so, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Buffalo came to play defensively. They got pressure. Uh, the two had not been pressured at all going into that yeah. game yesterday. And they made them hold the ball a little bit longer. And John McDermott obviously did a great job of scheming things on, on defense. And you know, it was a great win, but that happens. Like, teams have bad games. It's not, I mean, Dallas had their bad game last week against Arizona. Miami had their bad game against Buffalo. It doesn't mean anything. In this league, these teams look bad all the time. So, it's just. You know, if you told me we'd be sitting at three and one right now, I, I beginning of the season, I would take it, right? It's just, you know, when you you've looked like you didn't belong in the same field as Buffalo, it, it, it's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. And, you know, Connor Williams, Miami starting center was out and then Teron Armstead gets hurt in the game. And it's if, if there's a team that doesn't have the depth to afford two injuries on the O-line, especially two of your three really good O-linemen, Miami's one of them. Let's move on to the NFC South because, you know, this division is kind of very intriguing to me. 
The Bucks go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. And my question is, because Cleve, I know you were higher on the Bucks than probably anybody else that I was reading this offseason. Are they the team to beat right now? Wow. It's, I don't know. I, I'll be honest. That's the one game that I didn't have much on and I didn't get a chance to watch. I just obviously saw some of the highlights of Baker Mayfield. You know, their defense is good. Their defense is always kind of has the, the reason I thought that they had a high floor this year coming in was the, that defense, Todd Bowles, like whatever you think of him as a head coach, like they've got really good veterans. They got good secondary. And as long as they don't get too beat up because they don't have much depth, uh, they're going to be in a lot of these games. And it's a matter of Baker Mayfield not screwing up. And so, you know, I guess from a week to week consistency basis, they may be the team to beat. I still think the Saints, um, you know, if they, I, again, I didn't watch the game, so I don't, I can't comment on Derek Carr. It looked like the, the numbers were pretty bad. Uh, offensively, yeah. I mean, the second lowest success rate uh, in the NFL, and I think uh, that he had the lowest passing success rate on dropbacks. So, you know, clearly, I, I would assume that some of that was the injury uh, and a lack of practice this week. They really should have just started uh, Jameis Winston, to be honest. I, I have no idea why they, they run. It's, you know, it's not like they had a rookie back there. He had a guy who's perfectly capable of winning a game, you know, let Derek Carr rest. And so I, I, you know, I'll, I'll chalk, unless I watch some the film and just really see that the, you know, there's something fundamentally going wrong. I'm just going to chalk it up to a kind of a bad, kind of a bad uh, uh, game off of an injury. You know, they really should have won that game last week against Green Bay up 17, nothing. I mean, they're this close to being three and one. I, I think it's, it's the Saints a notch ahead of Tampa. I just don't trust. I, honestly, it's more about just this, this team is so, Top heavy, and they don't have a lot of depth. And so, just as the the season goes on, they'll probably get a couple of injuries and, and fade away. Um, and it's just a matter of you know, can somebody you know leap up. And so, I would say still the Saints by a notch. Definitely, uh, you know, they got that high floor. All right, let let's talk about the Falcons. And you said high floor. Uh, the one thing that I think both of us disagreed, even though we thought the Falcons had a decent enough base and a soft enough schedule i think we both disagreed on this ceiling that some saw in this team and mainly you and i were pointing the finger at desmond ritter and their lack of deep you know deep threat options um how close do you think we're seeing the heineke arthur smith came out today and he's he reiterated that desmond ritter is his starting quarterback uh do you think he has a long leash or, or, or you think at some point they're still contending for the division they might pull the hook you know, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those where these coaches, these front offices get so, you know, they're so stubborn because they make a decision uh, in the offseason to stick with Ritter when they easily could have, you know, tried to play had a lot of cap space to acquire a quarterback or trade up in the draft or do something. And they just yeah. decided to stick with Ritter. And when you make that decision, you don't want to have egg on your face, you know, three weeks into the year, four weeks into the year, say, okay, we're going to pull a plug. I, I don't think they want to do that yet. So, uh, to me, there's, you know, um, there's that, that thing where they're just being stubborn right now. So I would, um, I think they should start Heineke. I mean, the fact that you have 13 points in the last two weeks, uh, he, he was awful. That, that, those interceptions in, in Orlowski did a really nice job showing, um, you know, diagramming what he was looking at and where he should have gone. I mean, there's one where it's just a standard, you know, throw it out in the flat. And he decided to throw in a double coverage on a, on a uh, slant and it was an easy interception and it's, you, you can't make those mistakes. And so, um, and the fact that the defense is playing well, I mean, they're keeping them in these games. 
and they just can't they can't score an offense. And eventually, it's going to be kind of like the Jets, where when the offense is is not doing you know not the quarterback is not pulling his weight, the defense gets demoralized. It's an issue in the locker room, and you lose the team. And so, I personally think that this is it. Like, if you can't beat Houston, if Ritter plays poorly again, you got to pull yeah. a plug. But like I said, these coaches are pretty uh, pretty stubborn here, so uh, I'm not sure if they'll they'll end up doing it. Yeah, so it's almost as if they shouldn't have drafted a running back and maybe one of their future franchise quarterbacks were in the draft and they could have put an aggressive move to move up. Uh, let's talk about the team that did uh, do an aggressive move to move up, Carolina. Uh, they trade up. They give away their first-round pick to the Bears. The Bears currently have the top two picks in the draft, the position that most thought Arizona would be in. Um Bears and Panthers on a neutral, like who who's the worst team in football here? Wow. That is a good one. Um yeah. I think you would honestly, I think you have more upside with the Bears slightly. Um, by you know, by a knock. I mean, Carolina, I think I messaged this to you earlier today. Bryce Young has led one touchdown drive in non-garbage time in three games. I mean, one touchdown. He's done absolutely nothing. Now, if you told me Andy Dalton was starting, I'd have Carolina by a point and a half on a neutral. Yeah, like, I think he's two points better right now, at least than Bryce Young. And yeah. it's not even close. Yeah. You saw, yeah, Seattle's defense isn't very good, but you saw, I mean, Andy Dalton can move the ball through for over 300 yards. Like, he was effective, whereas Bryce Young is just sitting duck back there. He has no chance. He's not reading the field, and it's a bad Minnesota defense. Couldn't do anything at all. And it's just, it's got to be really frustrating because this is your future, and you're seeing – what Anthony Richardson is doing, you're seeing what CJ Stroud is doing, and it's pretty pretty pathetic what he's putting up there. It's got to be the worst offense right now in the NFL, even worse than Atlanta's. So, I I think that uh, I think Chicago by a hair, only because you know we've at least seen uh, Justin Fields put some points up on the board. We saw it yesterday against Denver. I don't think Carolina could do that against Denver. And as no. bad as Chicago's defense is, I think they've they've allowed maybe the 13 of the last 14 opponents to go over their team total going back as, you know, going dating back the last year. That's how bad their defense is. I don't think that, that uh, right now uh, Bryce Young in this offense can, can take advantage of that. All right. Let's talk about the guy who they should have taken. And this isn't a hot take. I was screaming this in April. I love CJ Stroud always have. I thought he was a legit franchise quarterback. I didn't believe, um, that Bryce Young was the better prospect. I also don't didn't like the Kirk Cousins comparison and putting that kind of ceiling on him. You also uh, watched him. You're an Ohio State fan. Um, have the Texans impressed you or what? Like, like this is despite all their O line injuries, this offense is kind of dynamic. Yeah, again, it's the last two weeks I have not watched as much Houston as I'd like because I do want to see CJ Stroud. I love them at Ohio State. Just great in the pocket. Just. He is your prototypical, like, give him a clean pocket. He will pick you apart. Throw such yeah. a pretty ball. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. It's funny. though. So the, if you had to say who had amongst all the teams in the NFL the worst, quote, unquote, spot in each of the last two weeks, it would have been the teams that used to play. So Jacksonville last week coming up on a back-to-back, an unprecedented back-to-back road trip uh, in London, which I'm sure yeah. that the team – the players, whatever you think, they're, I'm sure they were in the back of their head thinking about that all week, getting ready for it. I don't know. Maybe it's just an excuse, but it is what it is. And then they faced a Pittsburgh team, which had come off a tough Monday night game at home, go all the way across the country in a short week uh, to Las Vegas. 
They have all these flight issues with their plane, you know, delayed. They fly back home. They have to fly back down again to Houston. It's it a really, really difficult spot. And again, I don't want to make excuses. It could just be coincidence, but you know, they did get that benefit of, of two teams that uh, just weren't, they clearly weren't ready. And I was shocked because without having, they didn't have a left tackle. I mean, they didn't have Larry Tunsil and they have Josh Jones. I thought that you would, you know, TJ Watt and, and Alex Highsmith would have a field day and they didn't get to TJ Stroud at all. And again, I don't know, if, uh, you know what's going on there. Uh, that was a, a fatigue issue, but for whatever it's worth, you know, CJ Stroud took advantage and, and good for Houston. Uh, they're playing really well and they're making the plays. And when you've got a quarterback who can sling it like CJ Stroud and you can keep them upright, you're going to, you, you're going to compete against anybody in this league. And so it's a fun, exciting team. Nathan, you know, Tank Dowell is a, is a fun receiver. Nico Collins is a good receiver. You know, so they've got some good young weapons. It's a nice nucleus either way. So I'll see. I mean, I think this line movement is pretty interesting today uh, with Atlanta. Um, it, it was three and a half on the look ahead. Now it's it's been you know trickling down all morning. I, I haven't looked in the last hour. I don't know what, what the pinnacle line is, but it was it was getting towards Pickham, um, which is pretty shocking for to move that much that quickly. Yeah, it's a pick em in a lot of books, uh, minus one for Atlanta. It's um, uh, You talk about being in a fortunate spot. Uh, how about a third week in a row they get an Atlanta flying back from London yeah. to play a game? Like Houston had a pretty good uh, has good has pretty good situational stuff. Let's talk about Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett is hurt. Um, Trubisky's going to step in, it looks like. This offense isn't going. Uh, Matt Canada is not a creative play caller. Their O-line isn't very good. There is no run game. They have one one weapon in George Pickens. Uh, how bad is this Pittsburgh offense? Are, uh, like, I, uh, my optimism for them is right out the window. Yeah, and they lost Pat Firemuth too yesterday. So yeah. uh, I don't know how long he's out for, but that's that's clearly going to affect them because they have nobody who can kind of get get open in the middle of the field. Um, and you know, they, and Pickett was just not accurate at all. And he bails out of the pocket. I mean, the play he got hurt, he just bails without any pressure. And that is just a sign of a, a quarterback who has no confidence. And, you know, honestly, I think it's – I know it sounds crazy, but I think Mitch, Mitch Trubisky gives him a little bit better chance to win right now than, than yeah. Pickett did the way he was playing. At least we know what you get out of Trubisky. At least he's going to – you know, he can run the ball. He's got some athleticism. He can read the defense. I don't think they're good. Don't, work, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I definitely don't think, you know, they're worse – with Trubisky in there, it's, you, know, you know, outside of Pickett. So, you know, they'll, they'll turn things around. I mean, Mike Tomlin just has this, this magical power of keep, keeping these, this team always in it. And so I, I don't, I don't suspect that they're just going to get blown away here in the next few games. I think they'll, they'll uh, surprise people, but you know, I'm, you know, from a rest of season standpoint, like their 500 is probably the best, the best you'll see this team at this point. And, and, you know, I just don't know if they have enough firepower on, on offense to, to get it done without Deontay Johnson. It's and hard. Matt, I, have... I see some of the comments. Matt Canada, I mean, bottom five, I don't even know. He might be bottom two. Uh, I don't know who's worse. I mean, yeah. who's worse than him at OC? Like, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, Nate, Nate Nathaniel Hackett maybe is, is the one. Uh, that that's is. a good one. That's, that's close. They're, they're, yeah, they're that's... neck and neck. Uh, you know what? I, I have a Steelers uh, buddy, and you know what? He's like all down on them, and and I look, I'm like, man, they're somehow they're two and two, and they probably feel the worst, like the worst two and two situation right now in the NFL. 
Uh, let's go to the Commanders and Eagles. The Commanders are also two and two, and they've like outside of the Buffalo game, which I I believe the final score was a little bit misleading to how how well Washington moved the ball at times. Uh, the Commanders were in this game against the Eagles. Ron Rivera um, opts not to go for two, and and chooses to go to overtime against a, a better team at home. In that situation, why why did Ron not go for it? Are you buying this? The offense was tired. I mean, wouldn't the defense also be tired since they were out on the field for the same 82 yards uh, that, that just happened? Yeah, it, it's an absolute. I didn't see his quote. Uh, it's ridiculous. I had Washington. I didn't have the money line, thank God. I would be furious. I had Washington uh, plus the eight and a half. So um, I was happy how that game went. And it's so funny because early in that game, it was almost a carbon copy of when uh, Washington went into Philly last year on Monday Night Football and just held the ball, held time of possession, kept converting third downs. Uh, not a ton of huge plays, just just kind of nickel and diamond to death. And they did the same exact thing yesterday. And so I thought yeah. it was a heck of a job by Sam Howell uh, you know, to, to run that offense. And then, yeah, I mean, all you have to do is think about what are your odds of getting a two-point conversion at the end of that game and, you know, maybe you don't want to call it a coin flip because the Philly defense is, is better than the, the Washington offense, but let's call it 45%, I don't know, uh, mid-40s. You know, that I, I wonder what, what would the line be if before the coin flip? Um, what were the odds? You can probably look it up of what, uh, you know, what was Philly favored by. I guarantee it was more than 55%. Uh, their, win, their kind of win probability, I bet you, was in the 60s. And so... That's what you. That's all you have to do is is figure out kind of what has a better shot. You getting two yards on a on a two point conversion, or you know winning an over. First of all, you got to win the coin toss, likely. And I think even did they win the coin toss? Did they get it first? I think and they punted. I'm pretty sure actually. Yeah, they must have because it was a field goal. So yeah, so they even got the coin toss and they stole a lost. It was just it, the whole thing was just ridiculous. You have to go for two there. If the roles were reversed and the Eagles were were the team that scored, you know maybe you can get away with it. Because you know you should win in overtime, but I mean a nine-point underdog should go for two there every single time. I don't care who it is. I don't care if you just run it up the middle, spread it out, and run it up the middle. Anything to, to go, you know, to get two yards in the win. Um, so just a complete, complete debacle by a fake riverboat run. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, when someone has a nickname that is obviously opposite of what they are, like when you call a big fat guy tiny as a nickname, right? Riverboat Ron has to be like the most uh, nickname that is undeserving right up there when people were calling Zach Wilson the Mormon Mahomes coming out of college. Uh, <laughs> it's just they're both terrible. Let's talk about the Eagles. Uh, producer Jason likes to sometimes knee jerk reaction and he messaged me. I don't know if it was tongue in cheek or not, but he said, Eagles 2023 equals Vikings 2022 question mark. And I said, whoa, slow down, Jason. But <laughs> I, I think he's got a little bit of a point. This Eagles team doesn't feel like A, a 4-0 team, or B, they feel like they're a step behind Dallas and San Francisco. Are they are they more vulnerable, or do they not feel as good as the other top teams in the league, or, or are we both missing the boat here? Yeah, that's why you know I took I took Washington this week. I just in Washington I had Philadelphia on Monday night laying the five, and you know even though they kind of dominated that game, it wasn't all that impressive. They just kind of ran it with DeAndre Swift, who who's who's been awesome, and just the occasional Jalen Hurts play. And it's just like 
you know, they, they just kind of do, you know, do their job and, and get the, get the job done and kind of go around, you know, go about their business, but they don't, last year was just, they were just dominating teams. And it's one of those things where it's fresh and new. You just, you know, you're, you're attacking teams uh, in every way and you're just beating them up and you just continue to do that throughout the year. And now it's just kind of like, all right, let's just get to the postseason. It almost feels like there's a little bit of a malaise. Um, I don't know if it's disease of me type of thing, but it's just a little bit of a malaise where like it was so easy last year. You just kind of like, all right, get us to the playoffs and you kind of do just enough to win. And that's just, that happens in the NFL. There's a reason why these teams that, you know, make the Super Bowl and lose a lot of times they don't make the playoffs the next year. It's just, they get that kind of deflated feeling. Uh, and it's just hard to, to get up for the regular season all the time. And so I think they'll be fine when they play, when they step up in class, I think they'll they'll play better, and it's just when they uh, are facing teams that they're supposed to kind of pounce, like last year. It's it's just a little bit more difficult to go. And Jalen Hurts played well yesterday, but in general, he's been you know kind of in the twenties when you look at some of the advanced metrics, some of the accuracy metrics. He's not he's just not as good as he was last year, and it's just going to happen. I mean, an MVP level season, so I would put them definitely a clear three. Uh, in the NFC uh, behind San Francisco and Dallas, but they can clearly, you know, win the, the conference and it wouldn't shock them. It's funny, like they're 21 and one with Jalen Hurts starting this year and last year. So it's like if if we think this is a vulnerable bad team, they're still getting the results. Before we get into the current market uh prices and injuries we're watching and line movement, if you haven't already, please like the content. It helps boost us in the algorithm. Keep commenting. We're seeing it. I love it. I love the engagement in the comments. Uh, Cleve, there's this dynamic where we all try to find uh, a situational spot. And when we have no background info on it, it's like trying to figure out how valuable this could be. Last year it was the Minnesota Vikings returning from London and playing Chicago and us not knowing what, because um, traditionally these teams have gone on by and us not really having a sample size of how that affects teams. This year, um, Jacksonville gets to stay out in London for an extra week, and Buffalo's coming in. So this is, again, a new spot. We've never seen a team stay out in London two weeks and have a team coming fresh off the plane. When you first start thinking of a, a spot like that, do you how, how do you weigh it or how do you factor it into your mindset? You know, I was thinking about that this morning because I was like, wow, you know, Buffalo just had that huge win. They lose to Davis White. They got to go now. They got to fly to London, where the Jazz are just sitting there waiting for them. Like, how how in the world do you price that? I just didn't know. I actually, my, when I was kind of guess the lines and, and you know, run some of my numbers, I, I had Buffalo five five and a half, so it's pretty close to that number. So it wasn't that far. But then you got to really dig into the matchups and the injuries, and then you know, what do you make of the travel situation? I honestly don't know. I, I mean, this is one of those where I have some you know connections in the league. I can ask like. You know, I mean, uh, you know, ex-players, I can ask, say, what do you think this? But they don't know. They're just guessing, too, right, like the travel situation. But these these teams fly in, you know, first class, and they'll get all the luxuries. And, you know, uh, from that respect, you would think it's less of an issue than it was, you know, maybe a decade ago. So, I, you know, I don't know if you can weigh it that much. Um, but it's definitely worth, you know, at least thinking about. And it even, you know, you can't just – 100% go by your power ratings. You actually have to, you know, you know, run all, you know, figure out what could possibly go wrong and how it's hard. It's, there's really no right answer and no one, no one can give you a right answer because it's never happened before. It's unprecedented. So uh, I'll just, you know, personally, I'm just going to handicap it the way I normally handicap it. 
with the matchups and the injuries and whatnot. And then maybe, you know, maybe adjust down a half a point if I feel like, um, you know, it's like, you know, if I feel like there could be a possibility there, but you know, I don't think it's going to weigh that much on my, on my handicap. Yeah. And the Jags are going to be trying to get Zay Jones back in Jamal Agnew, as well as Devin Lloyd in the bills. You know, Poyer was out last, last game, Tredavious White, Looks like he's got a season-ending injury. And then Christian Benford, their other corner, also got hurt. Let's go to Houston and Atlanta. Probably one of the more intriguing line moves so far since the line's open. Atlanta's probably been the healthiest team in the NFL. I, as a person who goes through every injury list, uh, you know, it's a tedious job, and Atlanta makes my job fairly easy. Um, Laramie Tunsil, Josh Jones didn't play um Houston's O-line's banged up. They might be getting back Titus Howard and Juice Scruggs. They're eligible. I don't know that they come off right away. Um, let's look at it. Uh, Atlanta opened up. You said they were three and a half on the look ahead. They opened up three, and this thing is essentially a pick Uh, The Houston money and the love started pouring in. Atlanta's also coming back from travel. Are you surprised the market's starting to love Houston and maybe come off Atlanta? A little bit, yeah, but I honestly was surprised last week that, you know, usually I could sniff these things out when Pittsburgh was only laying two and a half, and I said, well, who's going to block this defensive front? And somehow they got it done. So there's something that I'm missing when it comes to this Texans team that, the, you know, the market's figuring out. Uh, I will say that I was surprised if you if you look. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Pittsburgh was laying two and a half to three in Houston, and now yeah. – in in Atlanta, it's a pick 'em or a one. Like, yeah. just think about that. In, in the con- it just doesn't make any sense. I know there's an adjustment to Houston, but that's a gigantic adjustment because if yeah. you had played that game in Pittsburgh, you know, you're talking about like Pittsburgh being a six pointish favorite yesterday, five and a half six point favorite. You know, so now you're essentially saying, you know, like Pittsburgh would be five and a half to six points better than Atlanta, and we know that's not true. So it, it seemed off. Like, I think that number should be closer to three. Again, it, there's more to it than that, but just from a pure kind of thinking, you know, apples to apples, it should be there. But I think there's a couple of things going on. I mean, obviously, if you mentioned no buy after the London trip, I will say I, you know, I actually ran, I have a data, database that I ran this morning, uh, goes back to 2000, and teams uh, that, are, that did not take a buy after the London trip um, are 500 against the spread. So the market accurately adjust this it's not like it's you know there's a case of these teams really struggling i will say the one area and again it's small sample size you're talking about like 10 i think there's 10 10 teams this has happened to the opponent's team totals have gone over 70 percent of the time only one time has a team allowed less than 20 points um coming off that box so you know maybe it's a a situation where the defensive legs are tired i I don't know it's coincidence it's a small sample size but just the numbers so I wouldn't. I think that's it's already adjusted in the numbers already. I don't think there's any more adjustment you should be making uh, from that perspective. And you know, I, I just think that people are sick of, be- of betting on Desmond Ritter at this point because they watched him play the last two weeks. They you know they could not move the ball. He's almost unbettable. I think that in some people's eyes, and they're just going with the better quarterback and they're saying we're getting. You know, uh, I'm an underdog with a better quarterback in offense and. All I got to do is stop the run here. Teams are going to load the box on Ritter. And so, I don't know. I think it should be closer to three, but I understand why it's moving down um, closer to pick. But this will be interesting. I think there will be some resistance at some point. Uh, I just don't know when. I remember last year the same spot was Minnesota-Chicago. I talked to a few people, 
we all had Minnesota power rated around nine points better than Chicago in, in that situation. And the line was seven for most of the week. It ended up getting a little bit of action towards the end of the, the cycle and close seven and a half. And sure enough, Minnesota won right by seven. So it, it was, again, the market was putting a little bit of a damper because of this travel from London return and no spot. And maybe that explains some of it. Let's go to Carolina and Detroit. Uh, you know, the Detroit Lions, they won pretty convincingly in prime time. So, you know, if anybody was a doubter or, or anybody was on the fence about them, there's a lot of love. This is probably the biggest spread we've seen for Detroit in the Dan Campbell era. Um, Carolina has some injuries still. Xavier Woods is out and Dante Jackson got hurt in the game. There maybe could get Austin Corbett back and help the uh, offensive line. And then Detroit had the mini buy, right? They had 10 days and hoping to get some of these guys back. Uh, Vitae, Emmanuel Mosley, Kirby Joseph, Brian Branch got hurt in the game. We have to find out what his status is. Are, are you shocked this line is so big? And do you, do you think it holds or do you think there will be, there will be some reluctant plug your nose and bet Carolina here? I don't know. I don't know how you could bet Carolina. I mean, yesterday would have would have been that spot, right? Uh, you get a bad Minnesota defense, you know, going on the road, and you would think that all right, this is a spot where a team could at least backdoor, uh, you know, four and a half, five points, and they just even though they were driving at the end, that you know, it was a kind of a mercy drive. Like their their only touchdown came on a ninety nine yard pick six. That I mean, Minnesota realistically should have won by two touchdowns, and so I think this Carolina team is bad. I think that. Bryce Young, you know, clearly is not ready. I think that I think this coaching staff is awful. I think Frank Reich, who I, I actually liked a couple of years ago in Indy, he's been really bad for a really long time now. Like maybe that Colts situation wasn't, you know, wasn't just the players last year, but he, he was part of that. Um, you know, Josh McCown's with the QB coach. I, I don't know. The offense just doesn't look, there's no creativity, there's no separation from the receivers, there's just nothing going on. To hang your hat on and the Detroit defense is now top five in DVOA like they're actually pretty solid um mm -hmm. you know the one game against Geno Smith in the in, the, uh, in Seattle uh, where they, they laid it on them but otherwise they've done a really nice job um you know against a pretty tough schedule and so I don't know like I wouldn't I I don't feel confident enough that Carolina can keep up in a track meet I mean we know Detroit's going to score because they always yeah. do and they always do at home like they're going to get in the mid-20s and it's a matter of can you trust Carolina to score 17 points on anybody right now? I don't, you know, I again, I also am not sure I want to lay that big of a number with, with a team like Detroit, but I, I don't know if I could say Carolina right now. You, you know, Frank Reich, there was always two dynamics about him, even in Indy. He, he made optimal decisions on when to go for it on fourth and short. The problem is his play selection is always like he, he loads up a heavy box and, and basically telegraphs, I'm running the ball here. And it's like, the, the actual play call itself was never good enough. And so many times I remember Indy getting, you know, fourth and short and not converting. And even Carolina earlier this year against Atlanta, uh, not converting these fourth downs, uh, including late deep in Atlanta territory. Uh, let's go to Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, you know, the same injuries that they're dealing with Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, Odafe Owe, Bateman, Odell Beckham. They got a, they got a ton of injuries. The, the Steelers are probably going to be without Kenny Pickett and Pratt Fryer moves the one to watch. Um, before in the NFC, in the AFC North, basically, if you could get over a field goal, it's always like, lay the, take the dog, right? Take the points. They play a certain uh, type of game. And yet 
the the market's uh trickling up we're going to four and a half uh there is a five at circa um are, are you surprised that the, the 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 market's moving towards baltimore here and do you think there will be some some buyback on pittsburgh maybe later in the cycle there might be but no i'm not surprised because uh you know, clearly one team is, is much better and, and trustworthy you know got lamar on one side you got you know, Trubisky now on the other uh like i said he's probably not yeah i wouldn't there's no really rating change i think from from pickett to Trubisky. uh so from that perspective not much but it's just that there is just no confidence that this Pittsburgh offense can score uh, against a defense that knows what they're doing, uh, like like uh, Baltimore. And so I don't know. I, I think they'll get some resistance because it's going to be a you know likely a lower scoring game and the points are more valuable. But um, you know once you shoot through the three, it can you know when it's in that no man's land, you'll you'll see some. I'm sure it'll jump around between three and a half and five and a half all week. You know that's it's kind of a no man's land there. So. You know, uh, I don't think I'll ever get back to three. I don't think it'll get to six. I think it'll just kind of bounce around here uh, over the next uh, few days, and we'll see. We'll see where it settles. All right. If I told you, Cleve, the beginning of the season that Cincinnati will be a three-point favorite only against Arizona, uh, you would say one of two things: either Kyler Murray is back and looking at his top level, or Joe Burrow is not playing the game. And that's not the case. There is no Kyler Murray. And Joe Burrow is going to play the game. The line opened four and a half in some places, and it's been all Arizona steam this morning. We are down to a field goal. Uh, the big news is is T. Higgins is 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 injured with looks like cracked ribs and may not, uh, probably not going to play the game. Uh, are you surprised by this line movement that it got all the way down to three? Yes. <laughs> Because again, I'm, a, I'm I got Super Bowl Cardinals in my head. Um, anyone who's following <laughs> yeah. knows that I've got a, a connection there, and I've talked about it every week. And it's not even that they're just playing hard; like they're good. Like they they their coaches put them in such good situations. And Josh Dobbs is I mean he's playing like a top twelve quarterback right now by all the metrics. And look at their schedule; he's doing it against Dallas, San Francisco, uh, Washington, you know, and the Giants, or whatever. But like those are tough defenses. Those aren't, you know, uh, you know, patsy. So, like, gotta give them credit. Like, they're designing really good plays. They're putting their players in position. The offense is creative. They ran a, you know, Gannon ran a fake punt in his own twenty on fourth and two with like two and a half minutes left in the half. They were getting yeah. smoked. I think it was twenty-one-three, and the guy ran a fake punt and he just got it, and it, they turned that into a touchdown for the half and gave him life. Like that. Those are the things that you want to see and. Like why I was confident that he would be a good coach, you know, just again, with my, you know, just, just in knowing what he believes in, he's a plus EV coach. He's going to do stuff like that to give us, give his team a chance to win. Oh, you'll see, he'll, even in the preseason, I think the first preseason game against Denver, they were um, the only way they could win the game. Denver had the ball. And I think the, um, I think that, I think it was tied with like a minute and a half left. And the only way that Arizona could get the ball back was by letting Denver score a touchdown and then try to score and go for two. And that's what they did. Denver did not pull on the homes and kneel at the one. They ran it in for the touchdown. And then Arizona came down and scored and got the two-point conversion. Those little things. Like, those are the things that, you know, he's going to do. He's going to go for and fourth down, those sorts of things. So, long story short, I think that they're going to be feisty. I think this is a little bit too much. I mean, to be three – I know Burrow is really struggling, but this is – I mean, I know. Dallas just fourteen. Well, Dallas was just twelve two weeks ago. 
Um, and now it's uh, Cincinnati minus three. So the adjustments are just gigantic here. So I, I you know, I can't believe it's down to three, but uh, that's that's kind of where we are. So I, you know, I would never take Arizona here. Um, I honestly don't think I would take them in anything less than six. But uh, you know, this should be this is really interesting to say the least. You know the uh, the uh, Scarface uh, quote uh, the uh, in the Godfather uh, Al Pacino. It's just when I wanted to take a break from the Bengals and not think about betting them and, and being intrigued by the number, they they pull me back in uh, and I'm gonna plug my nose and maybe click a button or two. Uh, I mean, let's talk about wait a minute, George, yep. real quick. Sorry. I didn't hear any quotes after the game. Is there any shot at all that Burrow would sit, or is that not even a possibility based on um, what we know? Because you know, that's the, I mean, that could be the other thing. If there's somebody who knows something or is speculating that he's going to sit, then yeah, this makes a lot of sense. This is probably, I mean, if Burrow doesn't play, this is probably Arizona minus one, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Just, uh, maybe this is like a halfway point, but that's, that's, I uh, just, if he plays, I can't imagine it being three, but that, you know, momentum's a tricky thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I uh, haven't heard anything of the sort. If, if anything, they actually cut, Reed Sinet from the practice squad, but that doesn't matter. They also have uh, AJ McCarron in the building. Uh, no, I have not heard anything of the sort. Please, let's go Philly Rams here. Um, we're all, I guess the story to watch. Well, first of all, Cam Jurgens for Philly uh, looks like he's going to miss the game and a couple of weeks. Uh, Nicobe Dean is eligible to come back. No word if he will, but you know, the Rams have some injuries to watch. Alaric Jackson, the left tackle. Um, maybe the Colts were not able to take advantage of Alaric Jackson being out. Um, but you know, this Eagles defensive front might be able to Stafford also got banged up, has a little hip thing, but he said he's going to play. And then the big one is Cooper cup. We got to watch, um, if he's going to come off the IR, um, Philly and, and Rams, it looks like we're at four and a half. Um, the, 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 the money has come in early, on um on the rams because this thing opened five five and a half in most books um are, are is this just the waiting for the rams uh injury situation and if it comes out positive you think this number is going to continue to come down well i mean i if i knew that matthew stafford was definitely 100 percent, i would have i would have jumped on the rams this morning and i saw there was yeah. some money that they took and i think the over but i watched that game i had the colts yesterday he couldn't walk i can't believe that they didn't just blitz the house on him uh, yeah. in the fourth quarter in OT, but he was literally being helped to, uh, on every, like the, the old Byron Leftwich when he was with uh, Marshall and being carried from play to play, and he got it out and, and won the game. You know, again, it's so early in the week, and the way I, you know we've all been burned the last couple of weeks with these injuries, I don't trust what anybody says or what any reporter says or any player or coach. So I'm not, I'm not touching this right now because I just don't trust that that no matter what happens, even if they say he's good, I don't know that he's going to play, and I would not want to be stuck with a, a Rams ticket uh, at four and a half or five, uh, and they have to go to their backup quarterback against this Eagles team. I think if we knew that Stafford was playing and you know Cup was back, I think this yeah anything over over three three and a half I think is is worthy of a look to the Rams, but it's just hard to you know to really feel confident about that when you got you know two gigantic question marks with those guys. You know, so Alaric Jackson didn't play yesterday. The left tackle, Joseph Joe no, uh, no Boom did. He was questionable, you know, early in the week, and yeah. you know they held up against that pass rush that you know can get to the quarterback at times. So 
you know, they're just the, the, when you look at the Rams numbers, like their their offense is a top ten unit right now. So some of the advanced drive metrics, and they played some tough teams, and so you got to give them credit for that. They're they're battle tested, so you know they're they're an intriguing team to watch here going forward if, if they're able to stay healthy. I mean, they don't have they lack a lot of depth. Um, it's similar to kind of like Tampa on defense, but so, so if they start getting injuries, then you got to be careful. But as of now, I mean, they're a solid team. And if, I hope they all play. I think it'll be a fun game between. It'll be probably one of the better games of the day uh if everybody's healthy all right last one uh and then we'll preview this monday night football game dallas at san fran the game of the week it's the sunday nighter schedule makers got this one right um you know it was three and a half four in some places it looks like some money is coming in on dallas uh pinnacles at three and a half but even if you are uh intrigued in taking san francisco um it looks like uh, a couple other books are, are juicing a three um the injuries to watch you know tyron smith for dallas continues to be out and micah parsons got uh, a little banged up in the game so it's something to monitor for san fran juan jennings didn't play and then john feliciano got hurt which i actually think that's a little bit has some importance because I, I don't particularly love san francisco's offensive line and i don't trust any of their depth are you surprised this thing opened over three because i i, I don't want to call it too early but i think this thing's going to close three no i i have a three and a half too so um that's exactly i mean if you think back to the um you know the nfc playoff game last year i think it was four well, yeah. did it close it was in that ballpark because i was on dallas and they probably should have cover that game if Powell doesn't get hurt. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, so I think it's fair. Like these teams are pretty much where they were last year. You know, I think, I think three and a half is, is probably a fair line. You know, that San Francisco is, a, is probably a point better. I mean, you give them the whole field and I don't think, I don't know if this will close three. I'd be surprised. I think it's going to be three and a half all week. And I think that's where it's going to go. That's just my, this is my personal opinion. Um, yeah. If it gets the three, I would look at. I would really look at San Francisco because they've been real. I mean, I would just say Dallas has a few more holes. I think uh, than than San Francisco does right now. Uh, I yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think we get a proper three. I think it'll be that in between some, you know, a little bit of a juice three or three and a half uh, juiced. If you want to take the three and a half, I think I think the right line is like three point two five in this game. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there might be some some Dallas money. Like this is a prime time spot, and people love to bet Dallas when they're good, and they're coming off of a fairly impressive game. Let's let's go to Giants and Seattle to finish it off. As we started this pod, uh, Cleve, there has been money coming in on Seattle. The line is out to two and a half everywhere. Uh, Suma and I were speaking in 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 our chat in the morning, and we both like Seattle in the spot. Um, you uh, don't have a side, uh, but you do believe there's going to be some scoring. When you start to break down this Monday night football game, uh, where do you where do you start to to put your thoughts? Right now, Saquon Barkley looks like game time decision, but probably not going to go. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for the Giants, is out, and then Seattle will probably be without Charles Cross, Kobe Bryant, and Trey Brown. But this is probably the first game where they have Tariq Woolen. Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams, almost like a full healthy secondary. Where, where do you begin to formulate your opinion on this game? Yeah, I mean, both defenses have been terrible this year. <laughs> that's it's really let's let's not uh, you know sugarcoat it. Like they've been awful. Seattle, by my 
drive metrics, um, and I, I kind of do a, an adjusted drive metrics, they're dead last in the league. They get absolutely torched over the middle of the field. Um, they're one of the worst in EPA allowed over the middle of the field. And if you watch that opener against Matt Stafford and, and the Rams, that's all he did was just pick them apart with Nakua over the middle. And so, and even Andy Dalton, I mean, Andy Dalton looked like, you know, prime Andy Dalton last week. So even though you get Woolen back, which is a big help, it doesn't really matter necessarily against this Giants team because they don't have a number one receiver. It's more like just, you know, you've got like four number two and a half receivers, number yeah. three receivers. And, yeah. and you got Darren Waller, who I think, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, I love. I've got his over uh, prop yards. I think he can have a big game because if you look at Daniel Jones has targeted Waller by far the most over the middle of the field. So I think that's where they can attack the Seattle defense. I don't think, I mean, first of all, Jamal Adams has always been a poor pass defender. He's been a great run stopper uh, and a great tackler, but he's not a pass coverage guy. And especially his first game back from that Achilles, like he's probably going to be on pitch count anyway. So I think the middle of the field will be open for a guy like Waller. I think Daniel Jones will use his legs a lot more in this game. And then obviously I think Seattle is going to be able to put, put up points. Again, the Giants have been one of the five worst defenses you know, in the NFL, and they blitz at the second highest rate, which is what you would expect with a Wink Martindale defense, second most to Brian Flores at 53%. And, um, you know, that is, that's a really high rate. But the problem is they've only pressured the quarterback on 16% of total dropbacks, which is bottom five. So they're blitzing a ton. They're not getting the quarterback and they're leaving a, a really poor secondary on an island against these wide receivers. And so teams are just getting the ball out quick letting the receivers go one-on-one -on -one in space against these defenders. And these Giants defenders are poor tacklers. They, they're second in terms of the most um, missed tackles per reception in the NFL. They've allowed a ton of yak yards. Dory Jackson's been burned, especially. Like, he's not a good tackler either. And so I think it's going to be one of those where as long as Geno, who's been, you know, so-so against the Blitz, last year he's 27th in PFF grade against the Blitz. He did a decent job last year against the Giants in the spot. If he can just get the ball out quick to his playmakers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you know, Metcalf does pretty well against uh, man coverage, which is what the Giants incorporate a lot of this, this year. So I think he could have a good game. I think this could be a back and forth shootout. I think that, uh, you know, these teams play pretty fast. They're top 10 in neutral pass rate, uh, both of them. So I think you can get a lot of throwing, and I think it's going to be a fun game. I think this is pretty entertaining. I, you know, I see kind of a 27 24 game written all over it. I just looked. I was interested in this over. Uh, it was 47 and a half this morning. I'm looking now. It looks like the pinnacle is 46 and a half. So now that's, you know, piqued my interest as a, as a potential over. And I know that primetime overs haven't been great, but we've seen the last two cover quarters it's worth. Um, so I think, you know, I think there's a good chance we see some points. With or without Andrew Thomas, the, the, there's no pass rush here from Seattle. There's no edge player to really, you know, worry about. So I'm not worried about, um, you know, losing uh, Andrew Thomas. His backup has, has been awful. Uh, Joshua Zedu was one of the worst in the NFL. But, again, the pass rush isn't a big deal here, and you've got Daniel Jones mobile. So fun game. No no side for me. I think it's a coin flip, and I just think there's going to be more points than uh, than the 46.5 if I had to. Yeah, as Zudu, <laughs> the problem is he's a guard. That is the problem on why yeah. he's not in a good tackle. You, you know, um, if if Seattle doesn't uh, get any turnovers, uh, and the Giants, uh, f uh, fortunately, are not a team that uh, has created and generated a lot of turnovers, I think if Seattle keeps it clean, there's nothing that the Giants' defense can do as far as resistance goes. And I think Seattle has enough 
playmakers, uh, particularly in the secondary, um, that they can make Daniel Jones uh, get in get into a couple bad spots and and, and make one or two crucial mistakes. Uh, when this line opened uh, like one and a half and then went to the Giants, I was with Clark and I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, what am I missing? I, I I'm on Seattle uh, heavily in this game. And then, you know, it swung back. Um, uh, and looks that was like the Andrew Thomas and Barkley. That, Thomas and Barkley, there was some Thomas for sure. They thought he was going to play and Barkley was kind of a 50, 50. I think that's why you saw a little movement there. Yeah. The, the only thing is, is like, you know, Barkley has a high ankle sprain. Like, uh, I, 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 there's, there's this weird thing. Even Austin Eckler had like all this optimism with a high ankle sprain, and sure enough, he's not back before the the bye week, right? It's like uh, there's this weird thing with media reports where everybody's optimistic about everybody. Uh, Deshaun Watson's gonna play, and Jimmy G will be the only guy to clear concussion protocol in one week. Like the the it's optimism season, and like the reporters are are tweeting everything as if uh it's all you know everything's positive and all guys are gonna go uh so i just found that uh uh interesting because i know yourself you said you're weary about what you see in the injury reports it's been a strange season we've had reporters come out the morning of with really bad information and i've moved markets unfortunately so something to watch out for cleave um no suma today but you did a lot of the heavy lifting i, I really thank you man no, it's fun. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, can't believe we're already a month in, but let's uh, let's have a good week five. Yeah, hopefully, uh, Dolphins will be four and one. Because uh, if they lose to the Giants, I will be the guy who's not on the show next week. It'll be you and Sumo by yourselves. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow at two o'clock with myself and Sharp Clark to break down some film, recap the Monday Nighter, and give you the first Thursday night preview. You don't want to miss it, so please subscribe. Hit the notifications bell and like this content. Please boost us up in the algorithm. That's it for me. Thanks to Cleve TA. Thanks to producer Jason. And thanks to you, the audience. Until next time.